0: would please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 16. We are looking at verses 13 and 14. Kind of taking our time with this. uh, And the reason should be evident in the text uh, because as I look at this, I basically understand it for what the Apostle Paul has laid it out for. A church that was struggling. A church that had 29 verses of Holy Scripture written to admonish and to rebuke it, and basically you could have done away with those twenty-nine verse or twenty-nine chapters had they just done what thirteen and fourteen said. And I call it powerful living. Uh, I look today at the evangelical church uh, in in our area today, and I do not see powerful living. I see. The church has bought the business model that exists. Uh, I see pastors going through things that I see CEOs going to. But when you treat the bride of Christ as a corporation, then please understand she will respond as a corporation. And yet that's not what we've been called to. Old Terror, the great philosopher Atheist, Said, I would be inclined to believe in your Redeemer. Would you show me a redeemed life? And I look around today and I wonder what's he waiting on? How bad does it have to get? When I think, people ask me, and you'll hear this do you believe that Christ's return is close? Well, sure. I do. And then they say, well, because of Iraq and Iran and trying to get peace in Israel, and they give me all of this, and I said, no. has nothing to do with any of those events. Why do you believe that it is close? And I believe it because Paul warned Timothy That men would be lovers of themselves, having a form of godliness, yet denying the power. They would no longer hear sound doctrine, but they will heap to themselves teachers that tickle their ears. Brothers and sisters, if we are not in that right now, how awful must it have to get? Because um, that is what it's about. The church today is based on people coming and can you entertain them. They want people in the seats so that they can hire ministers to minister to them. And yet the Bible is emphatic that it says that everyone who is called by the name of Jesus Christ, who is saved, who is redeemed, is a minister of Jesus Christ have a word of prayer we'll read verses 13 and 14 father thank you for your word thank you for your faithfulness and thank you lord you have called us this day father we draw to you we rest full weight to you and father as the lord of the sabbath gave himself a ransom for us Father, please let us stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Father, please allow us that Sabbath rest that we may be immersed. That sin we carry not. The burden has been nailed to the cross. Father, these words from my dear brother, our dear brother Paul, are so simple. And yet, Father, are so powerful and the life of your people. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see that we may be invaded by the presence of Jesus Christ to your glory, to your praise. Amen. Verse 13, Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. (laughs) Yeah. This is the positive of 29 chapters of negative. And I mean, if you read it, you sit there and you go, wow, this is cool. If you take it back to the original text, you'll find out that these are all imperatives. You know what that means, right? Commands. He's not asking you to do this. He's not thinking, you know what, this will really help you. He's saying, you want to avoid this, do these things. He said, first of all, I need you to be alert. I need you to watch. It's the word we get watched from. You need to be watchful. And I ask myself this, how many Christians today are watchful? Okay, what do you watch for Satan? Do you watch for temptation? Do you watch for apathy in your own life? Do you watch for false teachers? Do you watch for prayer? Do you watch for the Lord's return? Because that's what he's telling us. That's what he's telling us. But he also says, be firm, stand firm in the faith, in the faith, do you know what the Lord says? Okay. And you know what? It's funny because we all sit around and we say, well, you know, he says this and he says that. And, but I'm going to kind of do this and it's okay. Cause I've been saved by grace and all the rest of it. And yet, do you know how it all started? Simple phrase to Eve has the Lord said, is that simple. And you know what I see in the church today? We have literally done what the Corinthians did. We have lifted human philosophy, human wisdom, and it's equal on par with the Word of God. Do you understand what that statement is? And you, you hear us say they do it really good. I, I, I like the way they do it. You know, it's, <laughs> it says, well, there's more truth than just what's in the Word of God. Are you smart enough to know it? <laughs> Sorry, so I don't have these long dissertations with people. Why? Because your actions tell me you're not smart enough to know the difference. And yet, I look at the church today, and what does she do? She has the philosophy of men. It's no different than the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth, instead of affecting their society, they allowed their society to affect them. Why? Because they're not firm in the faith. They're not firm in the unity that the scripture has already given us. They're not uniform. They're not firm in their freedom. They're not. And what I mean by freedom is why do I want to put religious rules on you? And yet I see people who do what? Put religious rules on you. All over the place. I can't believe it. And it's still going strong. They are not. Firm in what is the will of God. Not firm against Satan. They are tossed to and fro with everything that comes down the pike. We stand in line to read books about the Bible. And what I've learned is most of them are fiction. (laughs) I don't understand that. I don't understand that at all. But he also says you need to be mature. It says here, act like men. It literally means be mature. Be grown up. Be growing up. I mean, listen, this church had fighting and squabbling and it, little sil- sibling rivalries all over the place. Mine, 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 mine things going on. Look at the body of Christ today. Tell me the difference. I look at the church in Castle Rock today and I say, you know what? That's what she does. Why? It's a lack of maturity and, and, and I don't understand it, but they all kind of tie together because if I'm going to be alert and I'm going to be firm in the faith and I'm going to be mature, I'm going to grow up. Okay. Then he comes to be strong, to be strengthened. And what's amazing is this is the only passive verb in the five. And everybody says, well, I'm glad I've got that information. What the heck does that mean? Okay. A passive verb And it's so cool. It's because it's not something you can do yourself. See, I can, through the word of God, be alert, be watchful. Okay, I have people ask me, well, do you believe the church will go through the tribulation? And I say, no. Well, why? Well, it took me seven years to come to that conclusion. You got some time? I'll sit and explain it to you. All right. and, and I had a guy come to me, a seminary, <laughs> the president of a seminary. He says, Well, why do you believe that way? And I said, Romans 8 1. And he's like, What? He says, Yeah, Rome. I said, Romans 8 1. He says, Wait a minute, why not Ezekiel or anything like that? And I said, Well, because Romans 8 1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And what the heck has that got to do with the tribulation? Well, ain't there like four horses? And he says, yeah. And I says, who cuts them loose? Jesus. All right. And I said, is that judgment? Those four horses? Well, there's a difference between condemnation and judgment. Really? (laughs) Are you sure? Because if you're in it, I bet it doesn't feel different. The other reason that I know that I will not go through the tribulation is that I will not stop preaching the gospel and they don't tolerate that during the tribulation. So at best, they'll kill me early. Oh, well, but I won't be in any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See what I'm trying to get at? I can be aware of this stuff by doing what? Reading the Bible. Please hear me on this. I'm not telling you to read your footnotes in your study Bible. They are not God-breathed. I'm telling you to read your Bible. I remember people telling me nine years ago, how in the world are you going to teach Corinthians? It's so controversial. You know what? It's not controversial. It's a very simple book, actually. You know what? And I have not had, except for the baptism of the dead thing, but other than that, I have not had any problem with this text. Okay? Okay? And you know what I've learned is most people haven't got a clue why first Corinthians was written. It was written in a letter. If I wrote a love letter to my wife and had just one section that I wanted her to have, why would I write the rest of the message? When you get a love letter from somebody, do you read all of it or just part of it? And yet that's what they do with the Bible today. People will read a part of it. Why not read all of it? Why? Because it was written for a reason. Because this passive verb says, You can't do this. I can be alert if I read my Bible. You know what? I can stand firm in the faith. Definite article faith means the content of God's revelation. And I should do what? I can stand in it. So both of those say, You know what? You probably ought to read that book. You know, it's sort of like getting the directions when you're building your kid's swing set. Read them. It'll make the job easier. All right. But we won't. I'll work on it for two days and then go get it. All right. But it says grow up. You got to be grown up. How am I going to do that? Be in the word. And then he gives you this one. Be strong. It's passive verb, meaning you can't do it. It's something that the Lord is going to do. But what was the premise for it? That's why I'm teaching on who is God. In our Sunday school class. Why? I know what we all think he is. But have you ever really read his book. On who and what he is. It's like I hear people call the Holy Spirit it. Okay. That drives me crazy. The Bible calls him him. Him. And there's a difference between an it and a him. He, the spirit of the living God, he, well, but what? You know what? <laughs> we have hurricanes and tornadoes and natural disasters and all these other things. And people say, well, that was mother nature. You keep calling him that. You're going to keep having more. He doesn't want to be called a mother. He is the father. All right. All right. Paul telling the church in Ephesus in chapter 6, verse 10, these things. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Okay. Be strong in what? The Lord, not your ingenuity, not your talent. None of that stuff. Be strong in the Lord. It's used of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 20. It says the child grew and became strong in the spirit. This little boy born of a virgin. Okay. So when I read this word, this be strong, I understand it's passive. Okay. It's a word that can be the strengthening of the spirit, the strengthening in the inner man, the strong inner man, a strong spirit of in the inner man. You know what happens? Overcomes the flesh. Okay. It isn't you overcoming the flesh. I can make every one of you overcome the flesh. I can just lock your tails up in prison. It's funny how much trouble you can't get in, in jail. All right. Now you can think about it, but you just can't do it. All right. That isn't the term here. The term says that the nature has changed, that it doesn't do it. Now, how well do you do with that? That's why when I I hear the integrating of psychology into what the word of the Lord is, I giggle at it. That's the silliest thing I ever heard in my life. All psychology is is behavior modification. It don't change the heart. Well, I have a drinking problem. If I throw your butt in jail, you won't. You won't. Well, you don't understand. I just like drugs. I throw your kid in jail. You won't. And if I keep you there, you'll never have an alcohol problem. You'll never have a drug problem. Well, you don't understand. I have this sexual perversion thing. (laughs) I can fix that one too. But all it is is behavior modification. Does it change the heart? Let them out. What do they do? Same thing. Pete and repeat were sitting on a fence. Pete fell off. Who was left? Say repeat. Pete and repeat were sitting on a fence. Pete fell off. Who was left? Repeat. And it goes on and on and on. You want to see the heart and soul change? It has to be done from an outside force and you ain't him. Be strengthened by God. See, it is that strength that overcomes your flesh. It ain't you. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And he literally says, stand firm in this strength. What strength? That that is in Christ Jesus. Anybody here have a problem with selfishness? Praise God. I'm glad you're all so good. Uh, I struggle with it every once in a while. Uh, like when I'm awake. Or when I'm asleep, but other than that, I don't have any problem with it. Well, I don't. Okay. Uh, you don't. Nobody's here ever had a selfish dream. Just me. I know I'm a pagan, but I'm trying. What can I say? <laughs> they want to put me in jail too. Anyway, um, I, I I share that with you because how in the world do you overcome your selfishness? How do you do it? I can tell you how to do it. Think about the cross of Calvary and what was paid for your redemption. It's real simple. I've struggled with some stuff in my life, and I'm sure some of you have struggled once or twice. And I have this thing, back when I was teaching a letter to the Hebrews, and I got this book on Roman law and justice. Okay, interesting group of people. (laughs) But anyway, um, one of the things that they did for crucifixion, or the thing that they did for crucifixion, is that they would have about an 18 to 2 foot hole, okay? And the vertical beam would be lifted up at, at the edge of that thing, okay? And then as it was straightened up over that hole, then it would drop down in that socket. Okay? And that's, that's, that's how they crucified. And they, they had people who just run around and dug these holes and, and then they'd it, it lift this cross up right on the edge of it and then it would drop down in there. It's similar if you've ever set a uh, wooden fence post, except think of a, a, a big fence post. All right here's the difference. have got a cross beam. Okay, you run a big iron spike between the ulna and the radius, right there where the brachial nerve is. You know what the brachial nerve is? It's the center of pain. Okay, it is part of that. You ever hit your funny bone? It would just uh, and your arm goes numb. That runs right between those two bones. Okay, think about the arch of your foot. Bend both arches down and run a big, sometimes they were wooden, sometimes they were bronze spikes through the arch of your foot. Now they did this while it was laying down on the ground. Okay. So they're going to run that spike through the wrist right there on that brachial nerve. Okay. Both wrists and right through the arch of your foot. Both feet. Now then, they're going to take and they're going to pull on that thing with two ropes so that that whole thing sets up and then drops into that hole. At that point that it drops into that hole, those three nails bear the full weight and the shock of that timber, which would be the arch of your feet, and your brachial nerves in your hands. You think about that, it's a little tough to be selfish, don't you think? Now, that, that helps me. You may have to come up with your own. But anytime I start feeling selfishness come up, all I have to think about is that post dropping down in that hole. And the shock of pain that had to go through my Lord's body for me. See, it is a strong spirit that overcomes the flesh. And that spirit is not yours. You can have the best intention, but that spirit is the spirit of God. Listen, the Corinthians were not strengthened. They weren't strong. Whatever the flesh told them to do, They did it. And they did it based on freedom. Hallelujah. We're just worshiping. They had absolutely no ability to handle their flesh, their individual flesh. When they're over, when they're arguing over people, you know, what are you eating to idols? Listen, theology says you can't eat a piece of demon possessed meat and all of a sudden swallow a demon. And yet that's what they were arguing over. All right? It doesn't hook onto a banana. Look, I've got Satan and he's on my T-bone. But they were arguing over, well, you can't eat that. Why? You have to have the dietary laws. You know, we're all supposed to be vegetarians. You know what vegetarian is, right? There's an Indian term for it. Yeah, it is. Vegetarian. Bad hunter. Okay, but I, it's stuff like that that you and I have to ask ourselves, why? You know, people say, well, why are you wearing a tie to church now? You know, everybody's gone casual. Because I'm allowed to. I am. Why? I Because I got a whole closet full of ties, and no one's my work is on Sunday. I got to wear them sometime. Well, if I go to Russia. I, but all of a sudden, you, know, you can't wear a tie. You know, I've seen people say, said, oh, I can't believe it." there was women in your church wearing slacks. Have you seen some- Oh, that's a bad joke. We'll leave that one alone. Okay. You know, do you know, can you believe it? Women are wearing makeup. I praise God for some of them. I think that is a good thing. Well, I do. <laughs> you guys all think I'm saying, thinking something bad, don't you? But I, I want you guys to understand this stuff. Why? We sit and read our Bibles. Okay? Listen, we've got to be careful of outward adornment. Why? True beauty is where? My son was getting married a couple of years ago. And he came to me one day and he said, Dad, I'm going to get married. And I said, all right. <laughs> Happy for you. And he says, well, you're my pastor. What advice would you give? I said, go look at her mom. He said, What? Yeah, go look at her mom because that's what she's going to turn into. And you better say, do I love that too? Because <laughs> eventually that, whoa, look. Okay. When I say give the same to women, go look at her dad. Look at that. You're going to get married. Go look at his dad. Is it you you up for that? Why? Because it's the inner beauty you're looking for people. It's the inner people. Do they have a love for Jesus Christ that are overwhelming? Because no matter what happens to them physically, that will be the controlling factor. And I like that. Paul told this church that you are carnal, you are fleshly, you are victims of the flesh. You know what's amazing? And I've seen this, not only in the Corinthian church, but in my own ministry. People who are in this place and they're not strong, they have one thing they always have in common they believe they are strong. Craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Never seen anything quite like it. Listen, they had told Paul, they had said to the congregation, Paul was afraid to come back to them. Paul was afraid to face them. Why? Because they had become so strong in the things of Christ. Well, where do you get that from? I thought you'd never ask. Look at chapter 10 of this book. Verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed. He does not fall. Take heed! They thought they were so strong. Go over to chapter four, and the whole chapter four. four. Uh, he starts out chapter four with this statement: "Let a man regard us in this manner, as," and the word is doulos of Christ. Okay. Now, because of the political correctness of our society and many societies, we translate it servant. Do you know what the word is? Slave. Slave. Do you understand that term? You were a possession. You were a tool. You were bought and sold as a commodity. You were not your own. And he says, you know what? I believe that we should be regarded as what? Slaves. 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 That's the standard. That's the standard. And you know what? He has to drop all this negative on them before he can give them the positive. Verse 6 of chapter 4 says, Now these things, brother, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sake, so that in us you may learn not to exceed what is written. So that no one of you will become arrogant. Literally puffed up. A bag of hot air. That's the term in the original language. It's something you just squeeze. All I can think of is a whoopee cushion. Okay, it makes a nasty sound. Only when you sit on it. No, never mind. Verse 18 says... Some have become arrogant as though I were not coming to you. Chapter five, verse two, you have become arrogant and have not mourned. I remember one time, some of you will remember Henry Piontek. Henry's in glory right now. Having way more fun than we are, by the way. <clears throat> and we were, this is when we were down at the other church, and, and, and a young man came through and um, was kind of strutting, kind of had chest out and was doing one of these things through. And I was sitting there talking to Henry. Uh, Henry was a survivor of Bataan, had a lot of health issues. And this young man come walking through, and, how you doing, how you doing, and all this, and had his Bible and his concordance and all this other stuff walking. <laughs> Henry looked over at him. He looked over at me and goes, what a peacock. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have never forgotten that because <laughs> I know what he was saying. And I'm sitting there going, there's an accolade you just don't hear every day. Okay, why? I see people today in the body of Christ who think that they are spiritual superstars. They think they're big shots. Check it out. I'm going to show you this. Chapter 4, verse 7. What does it say? For who regards you as superior? Now watch what Paul does. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, Why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Whoa. Where I come from, they call that slicing and dicing. Okay. Who made you so different? What do you have that wasn't given to you? I mean, if you got a successful ministry, so what? Where did you get it? He gave it to, well, I have a church of what? I mean, I, I run into this on a daily basis. People coming into our community on a regular basis, coming in to plant churches. Okay. We're some kind of, I don't know, disease has started and we're going to plant churches. That's the big thing. And, and I remember a guy coming to me one time and they were going to plant a church. And I said, well, why don't you find, you know, a, a biblically based church and strengthen that body of people. And he looked at me with a straight face. I couldn't believe it. I, I thought it was going to be a joke. He says, well, you don't put new wine in an old wine bag. I've been called a lot of things, but I don't think I've ever been called an old wine bag. <laughs> and he says, do you understand what I'm saying? I said, well, I understand this. And he says, what's that? And I said, old wine bags don't leak. He's gone on his way. He's here and gone. Why? Because they literally believe that they can do it right. We can do it better. I can do this. I have this program. I have this plan. I have this philosophy. You know, I hear people come to me and say, what is your philosophy of ministry? My what? What is your philosophy of ministry? I said, mine is very simple. Oh, really? What is it? To present every man complete in Christ. I didn't say it was easy, but my philosophy is simple. But if you think about it, that is job security there, buddy. To present every man complete in Christ? (laughs) Paul is telling this church, what makes you think you're so hot? If you're different than anyone else, you know what? God made you that way. So who gets credit for you? God does. If you've got something, God gave it to you. And you know what is amazing about that? <laughs> it had nothing to do with you. It had to do with God. Look at verse 8. You are already filled. You have already become rich. You have become kings without us. And indeed, I wish that you had become kings so that we might reign with you. Ooh. Ooh. Verse 9, I think God has ex- exhibited as us apostles last of all as men condemned to death because we have become a spectacle to the world both to angels and men. We are fools for Christ's sakes, but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished and we are without honor. To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty and poorly clothed and roughly treated and are homeless, and we toil working with our own hands when we are reviled, we bless, when we are persecuted, we endure, when we are slandered, we try to conciliate, and we have become the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. The Corinthians literally thought they were better than the apostles. They were stronger than the apostles. They were more worthy than the apostles. You look at churches today and you tell me what they base success on. How big is their building? What is their budget? Okay, how many people do they have? How many staff members do they have? And what are you telling me? You're successful, and the apostle Paul was a failure died in a mammoth prison, had his head removed. A hole. A hole. And because you have fine clothes, because you have fine houses, because you've got published books, now all of a sudden what? Look around you, brothers and sisters. We are eyeball deep in this. You're full. You're full. You've arrived. Here, do you see the horror in this? In their weakness, they literally believed they were strong. Look around you, brothers and sisters. It is everywhere the church in America has embraced this Corinthian catastrophe, and I don't understand it. You say you're hot shots. I remember a guy did I tell you about that guy that I went and seen down in Glorieta He was <laughs> And I wanted to ask him some questions. I'm, You know how I am. I'll ask dumb questions. I'll line up a whole list of dumb questions. And I wanted to talk to this guy. He was a big shot. He was a big shot. And I wanted to go talk to him. Okay, I had some questions I wanted to ask him. No, I wasn't going to poke at his theology or anything like that. I just had some questions I wanted to ask him. He blew me off like I didn't have any... How dare you take up my time? He had security detail around him and all this other stuff. And I just wanted to ask a handful of questions. It really wasn't that big a deal. I wasn't there. just— Are you a dispensationalist or any of that other weird stuff? I just had some questions. And he just blew me off. I had just gotten done the day before me and my wife had sat down on a park bench and spoke at length with John MacArthur. And it was just him. There was no security detail, there's nothing. Me and John just sitting there talking. John, I'd like you to introduce you to my wife. This is my wife, Paige. And how are you doing and all the rest of it? And so I wanted to ask this guy some questions. This was a pastor's conference. So you should be listening to what pastors are asking. He didn't want to say nothing to me. He didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> that afternoon he gets up to preach, right? He's standing behind the pulpit and he's all excited and all the rest of it. He stands out from the pulpit like this and his shirt tail is sticking out of his zipper. I have no idea what he preached on. (laughs) None whatsoever. But I thought, you know what? Pride comes before the fall. And I mean, everybody was going, but nobody's going to say anything. I mean, what is that? Don't ask. Okay, but I thought, you know what? You want to be arrogant. God will humble you. The guy was an amazing speaker. I still don't know what he said. But you're just sitting there going, when he got out from behind the pulpit, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then was, and my wife said, we better leave. I said, yeah, that's cool. We are hungry and we are thirsty. We are poorly clothed. We are roughly treated. We work with our own hands. We are reviled. We bless. We persecuted. We endure. We are slandered. We try to conciliate. We are the scum of the worst. We are the dregs of all things even now. I don't write these things to shame you, brethren. I write these things to admonish you as beloved children. So many don't know what the Apostle Paul is saying in this letter. And yet I watch people pursue it and chase it and want it. See, true greatness comes from true humility. When you are weak, what? Then you are strong. You know where that's at by any imagination? It would be in 2 Corinthians. They thought they were strong. I see people in the church today who do the same thing. And you know what? Because they were so weak spiritually, they had become weak physically. Okay? Um, chapter 11, verse 30. Chapter 11, verse 30 says this. For this reason, many among you are weak and sickly and a number have slept because of their spiritual weakness. Now, think about this, brothers and sisters. Because of their spiritual weakness and the way, see, spiritual weakness will be evident in the way you treat sacred things. The word of God should be sacred to you. The believer's baptism should be sacred to you. The Lord's table should be sacred to you. I have seen people who will step out of the body of Christ because somebody give them a dirty look or said something that hurt their feelings and I'm not going to church no more because they're just a bunch of people. So what do you do at the Lord's table? I just don't take it. Oh, a sacred thing you don't take. All right, you know what you just told me? Well, first and foremost, if you worry about people saying bad things about you, <laughs> stand in line. Just follow the old wine bag. There were people who were weak and sick, and they had died because of their spiritual weakness, it had brought about physical weakness. Diseases, death. And you know what is amazing about the Corinthians? They thought they were strong. They thought they were strong. Listen, Paul tries to help them here. It's funny, in chapter 9, verse 24, he makes this statement Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? You're in a race. Your walk with Christ is a race. You're in it. You don't qualify. You're in it. But only one's going to run, is going to win. He says, run it away that you win. But he says here, everyone who competes in the games literally tempered themselves in all things. What does that mean? You discipline yourself. You bring it into that place going to run. You have to strive for it. You discipline yourself. Listen, you cannot, hear me well, you cannot live the Christian life sloppy, flabby, and half-hearted. Can't do it. It's impossible. The tragedy with that statement is I can give you way too many illustrations and it shouldn't be that way. If you're going to run, you should run to win. You guys know how I feel about running. Right? If a bear was chasing me, I'm going to weigh it. So what if he just bites me? I ain't running. (laughs) But what if you run? You know what? If someone's going to whip me, I'll take the beating. Okay? I ain't running. Why? I don't like to run. Okay, but I can tell you this. In my Christian life, I'm going to win. And I'm going to strive to win. Like I've never strove for anything else before in my life. I remember one time when I was climbing mountains. I liked to climb mountains. And, and, I, and I've shared with you my training techniques. Uh, I was trained two or three months before the climb. And then I'd just woo-hoo, hang out at McDonald's afterwards. <laughs> it's my reward. But I used to do stuff. I used to live on the fifth floor of an apartment building. And when I was preparing for a um, a climb, I would take a backpack and put 150 pounds worth of plate weights in it, and walk up and down the steps to get to my fifth-floor apartment every day. Now I don't know about you, but that's—I think about that now at my age and think, God, that's stupid. <laughs> There's an elevator. <laughs> Send the backpack up on the elevator and walk up the steps. I'm sorry. Paul says, I bring my body into submission. I box my body that it does not master me. See, the Corinthians and many in the body of Christ today are reckless. Part of it is the deceit that they think they're strong. I've memorized the Bible cover to cover. I've been to Bible school. I've been to seminary. I've been whatever. Okay, And yet they're flabby, they're undisciplined, they're weak. And the Corinthians thought they were so strong. I see people today in the body of Christ who literally believe they are strong. I had a guy come up to me one time and tell me that how many white hairs had to be on the red heifer that they all sacrificed to rebuild the temple. I'm sitting there going, what? (laughs) Well, you have to have a pure red heifer, and it can't have more than three white hairs on it, or it won't be a pure red heifer. And that's the one they're going to sacrifice on the Mount of Olives. And why do you know that? Okay, and yet if you talk to this guy, this guy will act like he is this big spiritual giant. And you know what? He's not. He's had health problems and a few other things. Listen, I see people who indulge themselves, and when they indulge themselves, then I know that they are reckless and they are undisciplined. And I see people who will indulge themselves to the hilt. They have no concern for man nor God. And Paul says, you can't do that. You must self-discipline yourself. And you must have self-sacrifice. And you must work it on yourself. Why? Because you need to be strengthened. Okay? Be weak. Why? So you can be strong in the person of Christ. In the power of His might. Ephesians 6.10 Be strong in the Lord. Listen, I watch people listen to this. I'm going to go out and bind Satan. Really? And I have a plethora of questions for those people. Where is he? That would be my first start. Okay. And the second start is, who keeps cutting him loose? Well, you don't believe in spiritual warfare? I don't believe in going out and arm wrestling no demon. No, huh? And I don't want no part of it. I can't get my kids to listen to me. You think a demon is? How are you going to overcome a fallen angel? One angel killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. And you're going to go do what? Oh, I believe that goes back to that puffed up woofy cushion. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? That's silly. Do I have the ability? Uh huh. I do. To overcome Satan? Absolutely. And his demons? Absolutely. In the person of Christ. It ain't me. Be strong in the Lord. Okay. Here's one that gets blown out of context. And I'll give you this one. It's Philippians 4.13. Okay. We, We watch this all the time. We hear it. We quote it all the time. All right. And it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we go, hallelujah, 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 right? And we do that when we try to dig a ditch, when we try to build a house, when we, you know, whatever it is you're going to do. But you understand the context of that text? It has to do with service in the body of Christ. If you're going to serve in the body of Christ, guess what? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. We are to be strong in good works. Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 and 11 and good works. Why? Because they are in Christ. One of my favorite texts, and it is overlooked a lot. um, I really like this guy too. He's kind of cool. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. It's actually the second part of 32. But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. How cool is that? This is the guy who was hanging out with the kitties in the den He had his three buddies were outside the fiery furnace, got thrown in. See, because he contrasts that by smooth words, he will turn to godlessness. Those who act wickedly toward the covenant. And then he contrasts that to, but the people who know their God will display strength and take action. How do we do this? How am I to be strong? Okay, in the first three, to be alert, to be firm, and to grow in my maturity, to be a man. We also know that that's the word. Be strong in the word. But we have this passive one. How in the world does that one work? Thought you'd never ask. I can give you one verse, and it summarizes the whole thing. It comes out of the book of Psalms, verse, or chapter 27, verse 14. And here's where we all just get into trouble. Guaranteed. Okay, write this one down. Psalm 27 verse 14. Here's what it says. Are you ready? Everybody sitting down. Oh, yeah, you are. Here we go. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Yes. Wait for the Lord. That's the source. Who gives us strength? The Lord does. Okay. We do have a problem with it though. It's that weight. It's that weight. Now maybe you guys don't. I struggle with waiting on him. I think about that. Text right there, in light of uh, one of my other favorite texts, Ephesians chapter three Ephesians three sixteen says this <clears throat> this is Paul praying for you and I that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit. In the inner man. Listen, when we, when you look at this, I want you to be real careful because it says, I want to be alert, be firm, be mature, and you have a responsibility in that. You need to know what the Bible says. Okay? Not what people say the Bible says. You know, uh, our buddy told me that once. The Bible's like a prisoner of war, persecuted long enough it'll say anything. Okay? I'm talking about read it in its context. What does it say? Why are there four Gospels? I remember trying to figure that out. Are we that dumb? Do we have to repeat this thing? Then it came clear to me. Yeah, we are. But there is more to it. You have to look at all four of them together to see the single person of Christ. Was he a servant? Yes. Was he a king? Yes. Was he sovereign? Yes. Was he an offering? Yes. And you have to see all four of them. Okay, why did we write these letters? So you have to be responsible. But here's the key. Here's the key. And I and I I will be honest with you. I learned this the hard way. Okay. It is not a matter of you mastering the word. Did you know that? It is a matter of the Word mastering you. Okay? Because when that starts happening, you will yield your life to the Spirit of God. And it will not be until you have yielded will you be strengthened with His strength. And I'm talking about The strength that spoke existence into being. Paul says, I pray you'll be strengthened. You know what he's saying? I pray that you will yield to his spirit and be strengthened. See, that's the simplicity of what Paul's telling you and me today. You just get into the word and as you get into the word, you will come to a point you yield to the spirit. You can't help it. You can't keep looking at the face of God and not be overwhelmed with what you're seeing. You will be alert. You'll be watchful. You'll be firm in the faith given once for all. You will grow in your perfection and your maturity that you'll be a man of God or a woman of God and the whole time you will be yielding and the Spirit of God will strengthen you in the inner man. And then there's the fifth thing. And we'll deal with that next week. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for my brother Paul. And Father, the love that You have shown us for all these centuries. Help us, Lord. Father, help us to be people of the book. Father, that we're not tossed to and fro. And that, Father, in that, as You continue to reveal Yourself to each of us on an intimate, one-on-one basis we will yield to your spirit and be strengthened in the inner man. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the privilege of worship. Thank you for the privilege of being in the body of Christ. And thank you that it's such a day as this that you have each and every one of us here that we would walk worthy of our calling and this privilege of being ambassadors of heaven. Father, we would run this race to win to your glory and praise in Christ and Christ alone. Amen.